Hey everyone, welcome back to Why Must Love Fade, a book club podcast. My name is Daniel. With me is my co-host Donovan. Ciao, senor. Uh, how you doing, bro? Not too bad, not too bad. <laughs> um, back for the new year, yeah, apparently. 2024. Exactly. Um, today we're going to be Got doing... Few, uh... Oh, sorry, remember. Oh no, you're good. Uh, today we're going to be doing our second annual book awards podcast for uh 2023 uh and the way that this works is like basically <laughs> john cena uh dot mp3 um yeah, dude. uh the way that it works is basically we're like we're not doing 2023 books we're doing like books that we read in 2023 so <laughs> if anybody was it was confused by the title book awards if anybody gets confused why there's a book from like there's like some pre <laughs> prehistory book on here like yeah yeah and uh we have 10 categories um did you want me to run down all the categories first or you just yeah wanna... just let's just make sure i have everything yeah go ahead okay let me see i have them in order here uh biggest surprise is the first one biggest mm-hmm. disappointment is the second uh mm-hmm. favorite prose is the third um, we're changing this from last year it was a uh, best dialogue yeah best dialogue. i feel like this one can include a lot more uh, different books in it so i agree I switch agree. that one out uh fumbled the bag moment best mm-hmm. ending hottest mess music to book favorite theme worst book and best book all right oh wait wait wait, wait. You, um you're missing one no 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 i'm sorry you might have said it chapter the ch- best chapter or favorite chapter or sequence no is no, that on there no you didn't Oh fuck! Okay, no, I have that you one. didn't. You didn't send. You didn't send it to me. Did I? <laughs> no. You Wait, what? You didn't send me that. Oh my god! What is going on? <laughs> Music to book. How did mine get in here? Okay, well that sucks. Uh, maybe you'll think of something while we're while we're doing it. <laughs> if if not, we'll just we'll just we'll just we'll just say fuck it to that one. Um. Yeah. Let me. Uh. I'll probably. I'll probably look for one while while you're talking about one. Of I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I looked at the text. I did not send that to you. So I don't know how I even ended up putting it in there. But that's cool. That's cool. I, I have some things in mind. So um. I'll. I'll think. Of, I'll think of one. I mean, it, luckily, it. it's close to the end. Basically, I just put it between music to book and favorite theme. Just music I put to book favorite, favorite theme. Okay. Yeah. Favorite chapter slash sequence. I put right there. Gotcha. Okay. I Sorry can, to I bring could, that on you. I'm no, no, no. My, I could, my young compatriot. <laughs> You're good. I could, I could, I could come up with something on the spot. Um. All right. You want to start with uh, biggest surprise? All right. All right. I'll set it up to the plate, dude. I'll set it up here. <laughs> um. For biggest surprise, like usual. I mean, like you know, most things that I'm going to read. You know, I've been like thinking about them for a while. Like I'm just like, oh, this sounds super interesting, and I'm looking up a bunch of stuff. So. This one is the closest thing to being a surprise, which was um, where when I heard a specific thing about it, I just had to read it. And this is uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, mm. So I was just like, yeah, You're, I was dang. like, uh, I don't know. You read Alice in Wonderland this year? Yeah, I awesome. read uh, Alice in Wonderland. I was just I don't remember what I was watching some YouTube video. I think maybe that's how it came up. And they were just talking about like all the like uh symbolism in it i guess and all this how the writer that wrote it loose carolink mm-hmm. was like some crazy mathematician and that the whole point of him making this book like their theory was the whole point of him making this book was to um 
push his ideas on math, like his, I guess, different takes on math and like the masses. And that there's all this stuff about um, uh, all the riddles in the book just like perfectly relate to a lot of his ideas, things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I stumbled across the video, which was called, it was about another book, which is called Alice in Wonderland um, Reworked or something like that. Uh -huh. It has some little subtitle to it, but it's like a book where a dude just devoted years and years to studying just Alice in Wonderland. And it's just like uh, telling you all the ins and outs and like making uh, uh, analogies to like mythologic figures and stuff. It's it's crazy. So it's one of those things where it's like, like quite literally, you don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes, you know, no pun, like pun intended actually. <laughs> yeah. But like it, it was it was that, and I also read the second one, um, which oh through the looking glass weird. or something like that. Yeah, still to this day, one of the coolest sounding titles to anything ever. Like through the looking glass is just, but yeah, I read that too. I'm mo mostly gonna put Alice in Wonderland. I read them back to back, but yeah, that's that was a surprise. I was I read it. I didn't really think it was gonna be, um, well. I never thought of it as being like a book that I would read. Mm -hmm. I thought it was more, not like it was Dr. Seuss short, but I thought it was, I didn't know it was like a book book, you know, mm -hmm. that's all. Um, and I read it and it's actually pretty satisfying. I'll say the first one a, a lot better, in my opinion. Mm. Maybe I'm just too dumb. Maybe I'm just too dumb for the second one. But Oh, is it like um, kind of like... Is it weirder? Like, is it like the structure weird and, and stuff? It's, it's more, it, it felt more strict. Like when you're reading the, um, some of the. Oh, strict. Uh, yeah. It felt like, like when you're reading the first one, a lot of the, how do you call them? Word puzzles that they use. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of can get it. Like they kind of feel like jokes, like the scene, like you incorporate the scene that they're in, what they're saying and what each character's doing. Mm -hmm. And you kind of like get like a little, little mini like like oh this is supposed to be like this in your head kind of but in the second one i was like so the whole thing takes place on like a chessboard but like the chessboard is a whole map and i i don't think i got almost anything like it was it felt more i was more um confined while reading it i never i didn't really get a lot of the things maybe he was going for something different but hmm. yeah just to go back to alice in wonderland though that one yeah really really good nice that's my biggest surprise that's pretty awesome I, what about you um biggest surprise for me was um absalom absalom by william faulkner have you have oh. you heard of this one no 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 I, i've yet to read a faulkner book um so absalom is like on the surface it's a book uh, it's like th the downfall of Southern plantation culture. Um, and like, is this the sound in the fury guy? Yeah. Yeah. A lot oh, of, his, a lot of his, okay. a lot of his books or most of his books are about the South, about the um, swamps, about the swamps, about like, the, um, like post civil war South. Like, so they're like defeated mm -hmm. and shit. And, <clears> um, <throat> it's about this guy, Thomas Sutpen and like his downfall basically, but through the lens of three different families. So you got like the Sutpens. But it's like mainly Thomas, uh, cold the Coldfields, uh, mainly through this um, lady named Rosa, and then the Compsons, and um, you get uh, 
like this guy Quentin Compson who's he's like a college student and his grandfather and his father tell him these stories about Thomas Sutpen and he um he's like the most modern day person in this book telling the stories that his grandfather and father told him and what he experienced to his friend at university and like they'll be like they'll be like saying side like doing like side commentary on the story like what they think is real and what they think's not Mm-hmm. and the structure the structure is basically like it's told through the lens of all these different people related to this to the um one of the Suppen sons and the structure is like layers of an onion kind of where it gets slowly peeled back as it goes oh and, okay yeah and, and like what i was i was most surprised about is like the book's not just about like an idealistic south like i thought it was kind of the direction was going in mm-hmm. but it's like it's kind of a story about like storytelling and like the the past being present and in like constant revision kind of through like the myths that we tell of the past and um uh that also connects really heavily into uh like the lost cosmoth you know about the lost cosmoth it's like no um it's like it's like a, a myth that people in the south held for a really long time and like oh a, a okay. lot of- sorry yeah okay yeah, it's like um, some people still do kind of hold that myth. It's like basically that like the Civil War wasn't really about slavery as an issue, but it was like more heroic and about independence and like differing values and stuff. Now that you say it like that, I do. I have heard of this before. Yeah, and it's like a sentiment that still kind of lives on a little bit in the South, like mm-hmm. through some parts. Uh, like it kind of mm-hmm. lives on through like mythologizing Robert E. Lee and the Confederacy and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Lost Cosmoth, and that's like part part of like what he's tackling. But it's like it it made me realize something about like myths, and like we're all kind of like we're all kind of ruled by them. We all kind of believe in myths in some way or the other. It and like I think like one of the best ways to understand a culture is that's like ruled by myths like that is like like he he basically does it through like uh like unconsciously like through. Instead mm-hmm. of instead of knowing for fact what happened to the subpens at the end, we're kind of left with like this fable, like a myth about them told through oh, I see. told through generations, and that's like kind of peeled back, and you're not totally sure what's fact or fiction. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, you're using like the myths to uh, kind of just like leave an impression rather than give a statement. Yeah, and, and and by doing that, you kind of get a more a better sense of like who these people are like as people instead of just like what they did you know what i mean yeah and um yeah it's, people, it's, are, people are more than what yeah exactly okay yeah, yeah it's like it's like people are people are also their culture and and you get more of a sense of like their general culture through this like myth making type of lens so oh. i was uh, it was i was really impressed by it. it's like one of my favorite books i was like i thought it was you just gonna see... be yeah yeah, yeah. good oh sorry no i was just gonna ask you do, you do this thing about like the lost cause and like this impression of this book do you see that have you seen that in like any modern um, books that you've read, like more recent? Um, not about not about the Lost Cosmos, no. Uh-uh. I see. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So it's maybe he closed the book on that with that one then. No, because it's still it's still it's still like a sentiment. You're saying it's around. still present, yeah. present in real life, but I'm just thinking like, you uh, know, not everybody reads not everybody reads books, so maybe it, I mean. Not that he closed the book on the actual the oh, actual oh, fable, but yeah. no, I just mean I just mean like writing about it. N- nobody's um, maybe <laughs> less people are taking shots at it. Yeah, I, I mean, I have I have read. I mean, there's a lot of I think a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy is like kind of about 
storytelling but in a different way i guess like, yeah yeah um yeah making fiction is a lot easier to um make your parallels with real life than to just use you know like real ethnic uh real life stuff yeah uh all right biggest disappointment let's see what do i have here <laughs> oh here it is uh biggest disappointment um damn y'all are gonna hate me for this one uh claudius the god <laughs> i got that that's a sequel to uh oh jesus this is a sequel to uh i claudius all the roman empire um, fans are gonna be shitting on you bro nah 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 they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll 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 see what i mean no it's just um how all of the impressions you get of like this the, the claudius character uh -huh. it's you you get all that most of the best parts are just in the first book and and that, this is biggest disappointment. This is not worst book. So just so y'all are out there, I know you're. I know you're listening. <laughs> this says biggest disappointment. It doesn't say worst thing I've ever read in my life. It's just that the first <laughs> one has. He, it's like him growing up. So you get all of his like, the things that makes him into the character that he is in that second book. Uh -huh. But then you also get a section of him, in the second book. You get like section of him just seeming like he doesn't care anymore which is totally not it but when you're reading the book it reads um it does read like he's writing it but uh i guess i just don't like that as much as in the first one where you know he loses his he loses his brother you see like how his mother treats him you see that his sister is fucking evil and you get a you get a you know the second coming of the very close evil relative in uh Messalina in the second one hmm. but she's kind of i always i don't know she's kind of too smart she's too when smart. you're reading the book not too smart she's just like she's just like all right so you're you're clearly evil it's when you're reading um the first one i guess there's a few more um wishy-washy people that make problems rather than messalina mm -hmm. who while you're reading it it's excruciating like <laughs> even though you know what's gonna happen i don't know if you know it's gonna actually i guess i knew a little bit i, I knew some about claudius before this reading this um and you just know messalina is gonna turn on him so every time he gives her more and more power and freedom you're just like just stab me in the gut already like <laughs> fuck <laughs> It, it's it's satisfying when she goes down but it's it's more just i don't know when people die in these kind of books um like that and similar to game of thrones which i'm you know people i, I don't know if people know but like yeah like george r, r. martin one of his favorite stories is i claudius mm -hmm. and you get to see a lot of the characters make parallels but when people die even the people who deserve it in these kind of stories it's like they did so much damage while they were alive already you know it's like yeah it's like yeah it's cool to see messalina you know you know no spoilers but you know get it at the end but it's like she caused the homie claudius a lot of pain and yeah in the first one um i'm making it sound really good I, 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 yeah you sound like you I like guess, it yeah <laughs> i do like it it's just it's just the first one is leaps I, I would say like leaps uh, better it's like i thought like it, would you say it's one of your favorite favorites favorite books and I like i would say it was one of my favorite books for sure like probably that i've read yeah um 
and it's 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 just easy to understand like when you see like uh this person dies and you just like kind of feel for him and it's just building that character so when they're lifting him up all at the end you're like Mm -hmm. well damn yeah that was satisfying (laughs) you know and then Yeah, yeah you know but yeah, that's my pick. That's my pick. It's uh, Claudius the God, the sequel. That's kind of, that's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I want to say disappointing to hear, but <laughs> it's like, because um, I did want to read those books. There's like three of them, right? Or no, just two. No, there's just the two, but okay. he does write the same author. He writes other, I believe he wrote a book about Count Belisarius, a, a general from the Byzantines. So mm. he does stay in that realm, I think. <clears throat> You think any- As you can see, I'm avoiding saying his name because I don't remember it right now. You think anybody ever asked, uh, can I just, uh, can I pick up Count Belisarius without having picked up the other two type shit? Like, <laughs> Oh my god, yes, people have definitely done that. Um, Alright, mine is uh, The Iron Council by China Mieville. Um, oh! Okay, I'm gonna have some questions. <laughs> have you read any of the, the trilogy that he wrote? No, but but you know me, dude. I just keep looking for every time you go on the internet and you type uh, in <laughs> what are some books like Mage the Ascension. Oh yeah. I always yeah. get this China I always get this China Mayville stuff, so I'm excited to hear what you gotta say. Um yeah, I read the whole the whole it's called Balog trilogy. It's like the city. Um mm-hmm. from uh I read Perdido Street Station and The Scar. I think people mainly are recommending Perdido Street Station when they're saying that. Yes um and the scar people of the scar also uh but um and i love them both they're they're like really fucking good books um but then i read the summary for the third book uh and it was basically it said it was like a western set during a socialist revolt as they travel on a train and that summary was so my shit that i i like actually couldn't believe i couldn't believe it i was like wait what this sounds like this has to be a joke this has to be a joke type shit and so i was like super hyped like starting the book and um Mm. he's like i mean obviously i'm not gonna disagree with like him politically or anything and i love these other books i was like oh this motherfucker writes really good and so like this is gonna be like this is gonna be like one of my favorites and Mm -hmm. uh it was like it just kind of felt like hollow like it felt like you had a cool idea but no story to fill it out like the characters were just like is this part of like this is it part of the same it's part of the series like is it is it following each other or are they different stories within this place they're different stories within this place yeah um different characters and the actual characters in this one were like i don't remember any of their names or what they did (laughs) like i don't remember the only thing that i actually remember and was cool was the very ending uh but i mean like the rest of the book was like oh the ki- of... the ending was cool okay the ending was cool i thought you were gonna hit i thought you were gonna hit me with the the best part was that it ended <laughs> no 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 the ending was cool because <laughs> they uh, uh i'll just say the ending they basically get there on the train they get they're on a train and they're picking up people along the way to go to this city to 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 enact their revolt right and mm-hmm. they, they get there at the end and like magic shit starts happening motherfuckers spies and shit start attacking whatever and then uh they through like a circumstance they end up getting uh all like turned into stone and frozen in time basically Mm -hmm. for and like basically it's like um they're not dead but they they're not conscious either so it's like they're all like stone like statues 
and like they're all like in what? like they're all they're all in like poses like ready to like do their like revolution and shit but like it like basically says like for like generations people would go to the statues just to see the 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 up the coming revolution never to never to happen or something like that it, it was pretty awesome but yeah. i was like yeah. I, don't, I don't give a fuck about any of these people <laughs> so, yeah but yeah that was most disappointing to me damn that's crazy that you just found a premise that was just like so your shit and then you read it are disappointed and then you're just like man yeah in another universe i wrote this story and it was <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny yeah um all right best moving on to pros uh yes favorite pros for this mm -hmm. i uh this is the new edition here i brought in mm, the atrocity exhibition oh my by jg ballard what what bro yes this is what i have for favorite pros is it actually called the atrocity exhibition yes this is where the joy division gets the title from their shit their, their little album from this this little book here which is a book that is um just all just a nervous breakdown of like stream of consciousness writing about uh what what, what puts in a favorite prose for me is i'm only just realizing it now it kind of actually it reminds me a little bit of blonde oh, okay um yeah but just with more like uh a very cryptic where people have um instead of i mean there are names in it this is the story i mean i don't really know what the story is uh but it's all connected by like one character but even this one character oh, okay. has like different epithets like they in each little um how it goes it's not like a continuous story it's just like um maybe a story that lasts for like a page and a half and mm -hmm. then it's like another thing all throughout the book for all like the almost 200 pages of it uh-huh and it's about like the end of the world coming like like world war three like nuclear bombs but a lot of like connecting like pop culture with this kind of cryptic story uh telling kind of thing like there's a lot of references to major figures of like when did this come out like the 60s i think i, th I think it was collected in the early 70s but all the stories are came out i think at different times like this is just a book that puts them all together um like like jfk uh, Marilyn, uh margaret of the royal family like princess margaret a, a lot of things like that mm -hmm. just like a lot of imagery comes to your head while you read it um oh that's the best way i could describe it. it it doesn't sound like it's trying to be a certain way like like as if it's trying to sound like old texts from like ancient times sound cryptic yeah it just it it fits into yeah more more what i would call the peak um carol oates writing kind of yeah not as good as blonde but like that <laughs> i read um i did read some stream of consciousness stuff also and i i could totally mm -hmm. see where i never made that connection but i could totally see where joyce carol oates took basically stream yeah. of consciousness writing was just like let me let me kind of like not do that but sort of do that yeah exactly yeah it's like when you're reading blonde it kind of sounds yeah definitely knows the what story it's telling so this one is just it's just hectic it's crazy and i 
I just loved it to the point where I was just like, I gotta find some other stuff like this guy. Um, other stuff that he's read, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I was thinking of Crash, so another book that he wrote, which is mm. supposed to be like a sequel kind of to this, mm. I think. But we'll see if I ever get to it. Yes. yes. What about you? What What was your uh, choice for this new category? Um. So my choice for this one uh, is Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. Have you? Oh shit! Have you read this? This one? No, I haven't. I haven't dipped into this one. Um. Oh, fuck. Okay. I'm. I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna. <laughs> oh, go ahead, bro. I know you want it. I'm just gonna read. Like, I'm just gonna like, read the beginning. Don't tiptoe. Don't tiptoe right now. I'm just gonna read the. Talk about it. I'm just gonna read the beginning. Because I think I think the whole book's like. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just set it up then. Um. So. You can read it if you want. Uh. What are we gonna get a copyright on literature? <laughs> Damn. Um. All right. I'll read it. Yes, uh, we got him. Lolita, light of my life, fire of my loins, my sin, my soul. Lolita, the tip of the tongue taking a trip of three steps down the palate to tap at three on the teeth. Lolita, she was low, plain low in the morning, standing four feet ten in one sock. She was Lola in slacks. She was Dolly at school. She was Dolores on the dotted line. But in my arms, she was always Lolita. Did she have a precursor? She did, indeed she did. In point of fact, there might have been no Lolita at all had I not loved one summer an initial girl child in a princedom by the sea. Oh, when, about as many years before Lolita was born as my age was that summer, you can always count on a murderer for a fancy prose style. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, exhibit number, exhibit number one is what the seraphs, the misinformed, simple, noble-winged seraphs envied. Look at this tangle of thorns. And that's like the fucking beginning of the book. So like every like that's pretty beast. Every everything's like I have, I have like another excerpt, like a short one that I I really fucking love from like I think it's like uh -huh. towards, it's towards the end, but it doesn't really spoil. Well, much. he said he said prose, so it automatically goes into this category. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one. Uh, and presently, I was driving through the drizzle of the drying day with the wheel windshield wipers in full action but unable to cope with my tears like come on that shit that shit's fucking really good i mean and it hits yeah and and the whole book i mean this is how this guy thinks this is from mind and he thinks like this like in like kind of tender soft fashion about like this obviously super taboo shit right and yeah but then like when you go into uh somebody else's mind or like reality hits for him like he writes he mm. writes it, it like switches up completely and it's like it's really fucking good because like mm. it's yeah it, it's not stream of consciousness but like it it kind of fits like that like where it's like yeah his, his prose style like really really reflects the state of the hardness of the of the moment you know what i mean mm -hmm. so yeah Lolita. that sounds interesting yeah I, I i read a book that i think is um I, I would I would say it's probably inspired by that book. I think mm. it's gonna come up later. It might it might make another appearance, but um, I'll talk about it now just because I think it relates to. I read a book called End of Alice, uh -huh. which is a book that is also about <laughs> just what uh what's it called um Lalita is about like this older dude except this older dude um except in this version he's in jail 
and uh, there is a girl that sends him letters, and she is trying to learn from this pedophile in jail how to seduce a younger boy. Like, so, it, but it also, with the reason I wanted to say it now is because the pros in that was like my runner up to this <laughs> atrocity exhibition. That's. <laughs> What I would have what what I would have had as my as my sequel, and I just thought it was interesting that you also put the that you put Lolita there. Now you make me want to read it. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna <clears throat> steer clear of these, but <laughs> that right. one is also good. Mm -hmm. uh, fumble the bag moment, biggest fumble the bag moment. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Okay, go so, off. Go off. So, all right. So I have <laughs> I have two here, but I. They are for different reasons, and the reason I say that is because one is, I mean, we could do whatever we want with the categories, but one is like the story, like the actual book fumbling the bag. The other is a character in a story that fumbles a bag. And I actually, for some reason, I wasn't sure, um, and I don't want you to spoil yours, so don't tell me which one you did. <laughs> okay. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say mine. And then when you're done with yours, I'll say what the other one is. Um, uh, the fumbled bag moment for me was a moment in this novella. I would say it's, it's a short book, so I will call it a novella called God's Debris. Hmm. Um, I found this book, as we all find books, I was watching a YouTube video about Elden Ring. And um, <laughs> okay. he brought up, he brought up Ignostus. Huh? Vati Vidya? No, no, this one's called oh. um I'll tell you the name after I'm done. Um <laughs> this one this one uh in this video he they brought up uh, agnosticism mm -hmm. and um so of course I went on to uh look for books about agnosticism that are kind of stories. Uh -huh. Like I, I didn't want to just like have like a straight up like you know, big old book about something. I like rather have a story. So yeah. of course I looked for those. And then I found on the agnosticism subreddit, this book called God's debris, which is a story about, um, a delivery man goes to deliver a package to this old man. And the whole book is this long conversation where, uh, the man presents the idea to the delivery guy after, you know, just questions after questions and, you know, telling him about things that God, the the universe is made up of God's debris uh. because the only thing uh, that God, an omnipotent, truly omnipotent God couldn't know is what would happen after his own death. Mm -hmm. So, spoilers, it tell, he basically says that God killed himself and like the acceleration of, you know, basically life is going to recreate God. And um, it's, like, it's like forming back, like that's what's implied. Uh. And uh, this is presented so well. And what I just told you, after like, you know, just building on mystery after mystery, like question after question, uh -huh. is about like half of the book. Um, maybe a little bit less than half. The remainder oh, is fuck. not... <laughs> before you go it's any not... further before you go any what? further i i was just listening to your explanation and i completely forgot 
what category we were doing and i was like getting, oh, yeah, i bet. was get, i was getting hyped and i was like oh this book sounds oh, awesome <laughs> and i was like wait we're in fumbled bag <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know you maybe you'll like it but this is um basically it goes from oh i remember that the youtuber's name is sakura tetris that's how i mm. sorry just before i continue anyway yeah the remainder of the book is like more like that one is so direct and like strong the remainder is explaining like the the nitty gritty of like what creates like the things in the world what's possible like what is light like what is a um what is um ah, what is that extrasensory like um, esp touch? basically uh, like like te- basically he's explaining starts explaining like possible telepathy uh-huh. he starts explaining like uh even dives into like relationships of like what men want and what women want like um you know not not super like anything offensive or anything but it just gets so much more like clunky at the at the end it's like god damn like you couldn't just i mean i guess he was trying to it's called a thought experiment that's what part of the title is mm-hmm. i guess he's not really trying to make a story but what happened is that he you know he's explaining things about why people believe in religion things like that so the mystery is like boom yes god is god killed himself and he's life you being here right now is reconstructing him and then explaining all that stuff. And um, before I read this, I was super hyped about, oh yeah, if you didn't notice, like I'm saying that part is the fumbled bag. Like that's the part that I thought was just like, God damn it. Like this was so cool. Mm-hmm. And there's a sequel to this, which is an actual novel called uh, The Religion War. And I was super hyped about that, reading it. Mm-hmm. And even after I, after I finished it, I was still hyped. But I did some reading about what people think and what it's about and it seems that the sequel deals more with the second half of the book than the first like it's no longer really about like the omniscient like mystery Mm. it's now more about like what the title says a religion war which i found out i guess it's like christianity versus um oh um, yeah like it gets into it gets into the, basically the 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 old man the old man I'll just say the ending but it's the, the and this part is kind of cool it's it's just the the other parts and what it leads to it's just the old man you find out is basically at like what is called I think the fourth level of intelligence or something fuck okay Bas- they have yeah, magic- he basically gets Huh? Do they have magic in this? Is it like fantasy? No, like- no, there's no there's no fantasy. It's just like telling you stuff, but it does this one thing does get into more like almost like Earth X, the comic we did last year, with mm-hmm. like how there's different levels of evolution, but this is intelligence and he's the highest level intelligence. That level of intelligence is like um man. I can't remember how he describes it, but he's basically just <laughs> the smartest man in the world. He knows the truths and the not truths and uh. things like that. And then um, at the end of this story, you find out that the package he was delivering to the man is uh, he goes home. The guy goes home. He opens it. There's a note from the man inside of the package. And it says there can only be one 
Avatar, which is the name for the, the title for the smartest man in the world. And he gives him the blanket that the old man was wrapped in the whole story. So he becomes that, that guy. He becomes that homie. And it's like, mm. that was cool, <laughs> but I'm not interested in the rest of this anymore. It just becomes about... So like... for, um, yeah, like more like actual religion, religious talk rather than like the, you know, taking things that are kind of science-y and turning it into like an interesting way to tell a story like mm. the beginning like the beginning of the book was yeah so that's that's my fumble bag moment for the book now i'm excited to hear yours i i, I don't know last year i think i went with a character moment but i had to um, get into this one yeah i think last year um you you went with a character moment and i think i i think i did uh no no you went with a character moment I went with, with uh, zana, yes, right? uh bane yeah zana and uh i i ended up doing the witcher thing um i think oh, that's right this is probably the least exciting of mine because it is like the most <laughs> i'm a, this is like the this is like the most it's a difficult category it's a the questionable category this is the most uh i feel like this is the most on brand for me uh i couldn't have one of these without having a star wars book on here you know me uh, Wizard. <laughs> uh for me the biggest fumble bag is the uh every moment of romance in survivor's quest by timothy zahn um, oh my god <laughs> any moment of of emotions towards love is just is disgraceful because oh the... you're in fumble bag my bad you're right we're in fumble yeah bag. this is this is I got you, I got you. this is uh this is three years before vector prime so this is like this is this is this is pitched as the luke and mara like are like chilling like it's like their first book where they're just like a couple you know they got they've gotten married pretty recently in the story and ah man this should have just been like a romantic adventure with mara and luke and that's not what it is it's like a story about luke and mara receiving this distress call they go to the unknown regions they meet the chiss and like they come across this like lost colony and uh, i was like there's like moments of flirtation and like romantic moments between the plot but like there's so little of it and then once there's like pretty mid to be honest like i i i wish this book were in the hands of someone that could actually write romance because like like someone like give it to to oda bro give it to bro give it to give it to lois mcmaster buhold give it to andre sapkowski give it to fucking t kingfisher or like any other romance people i've read because like that's what I wanted from this book, and this motherfucker is not interested in writing romance. Like this, that's what this book should have been. Wait, like so shard of so shard of ice from Sapkowski is better than this entire all the romance in the whole book. Yeah, that one chapter. Yeah, that's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, yes, yeah. You get the only thing you get is like you get like them laying down for a little bit, and they're just like, uh, my <laughs> life, my life type shit. And I'm like, okay, like this is what you're gonna give me. <laughs> so, i'm sorry you went through this dude i really thought you had already read every single star wars book that existed i didn't read i haven't read survivor's quest i was waiting on it and like i for for the like for years i had it in my mind that this was the luke and mara book and that they were like just doing being like for flirtatious and shit because like his previous book before this like they were like more flirtatious than that than this and they're together in this one so it's like i don't know so anyways that's Damn. my that's my fumbled bag Maybe- there's no Luke, crazy. there's no Luke 
Mara book where they're just like being like witty and flirty and shit. And that's and like, now we're never gonna get it. And now we're <laughs> never gonna get it. Yeah, unless yeah, I'll so. have to go read someone's fan fiction because like <laughs> yeah, I read fan fiction. Now yeah, that'll probably work. Yeah, there's um, probably some good good writers out there not getting paid for that. I bet you, I bet you there's a writer that's like being published now that wrote some fan fiction of Luke and Mara. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Best ending. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me get let me get this book because so I can remember the name of the author. But my choice is um a sport and a pastime by James Salter. A sport and uh, a pastime. Yeah. This is um. This is like, uh, you know, when you're when you're you're looking for your you're looking for your erotic erotic novel novel books like you know romance. Uh-huh. Uh, this is always this is always high up on there. You know, it's uh, it's um about a these two friends that are living in, I believe France, and then uh, it's it's one of those it's one of those stories you see a lot with the um the two friends, but one of them like idolizes the other so it's kind of you seeing that idolized person through their perspective so you know everything they do is kind of cool i mean i'm i'm downplaying the book like that but yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those like you know it's a reflection kind of or not a reflection it's a you're looking through another's eyes kind of thing okay and he kind of has um the guy that he's perceiving falls in love with this girl and the whole book is mostly about them. You actually rarely see the other guy in the story, but I believe he is the one basically telling the story. So wait, the guy that's dating the, the guy, girl. the guy that's dating the girl, the girl and the <laughs> the couple, the couple are the subject of basically the entire book, but the entire story is being told by the other guy who's just perceiving it all. Oh, but even he's not in the story. Uh, really he's he comes in he comes in and out but it, there it leaves the possibility that the parts in the story where he's not there mm-hmm. he's like either embellishing or telling it how he wants you know things like that yeah um there's that possibility the ending i did not expect this like this this kind of thing actually rarely catches me off guard but um you know when i'm in a story i'm not really trying to predict anything but the ending is a uh um it's basically that guy who's being perceived like there's the there's the inevitable breakup basically of the couple and um it basically ends with her saying goodbye to him she drops her off and it's just like this last chapter of just uh you find out that that guy who, um, the guy of the couple, he's always, you know, he's all about his car. Uh, most money that he tries to borrow from people in the story is to keep his car fixed. And, um, that's what leads to him dying in like a car accident. Mm. So, so, um, the, uh, I do have one excerpt that I want to read from it. Um, go off. They kind of, pass by the <laughs> i have to do it they kind of pass by the actual death you don't see that he doesn't try to describe it but um the two characters meet again the friend and the girl yeah and uh there's a letter i believe this is a letter from the girl 
Um, and it says, uh, there is nothing that is not yours. All I think, all I am able to feel. I'm embarrassed only that I do not know enough, but I don't care if you never belong to me. I only want to belong to you. Just be hard with me, strict, but don't leave. Just do like if you were with another girl, please. I will die otherwise. I understand now that we can die of love. Um, and like, even before you even get to that part, dude, I was actually like, I was just, I was, yeah, I was, I was wetting the retinas, dude. Like, mm, um, damn. it was, it was a good book was and that, I did not expect that. Was that a letter from the girl or the guy? Um, I believe it was a, it sounds no, like no, it's no, from, that's the from the girl. It's definitely the girl. It's yeah. definitely the girl. Okay. It is, um, where she learned to write in that young. Yeah. It's, it's a letter from her. Uh, but it was just so you know, it was that was like more like the the icing, like mm -hmm. because the the two chapters before that are just all right. Leave the chapter. It's just like gut wrenching stuff, and I was like, wow, didn't expect that one. I was just trying to read, like you know, I was trying to stuff in some short books at the end of the year, mm -hmm. you know, to try to fill out. And I was just like, I just just add this to the pile, and then that just was like, damn, like. I have to just go and read another book after this. <laughs> Hit you like a train, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that I've, was crazy. I've, I've had that. Happen I don't even too. remember the characters' names either. So <laughs> I've had that happen too, where it's like, oh, like I, I'm just going through books, and it's like this. You read a book, and you're just like, I can't read anything right after this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It's yeah. like uh, you finish it like early in the day. You're expecting to just like you know be like, boom, all right, start the next book, and then you're like, shit, it's it's only. 12 o'clock <laughs> you're like in the afternoon <laughs> you're like uh time to pick up re-zero after this and you read it and you're like uh let me go on a walk instead or something like <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude time to see what keculus is up to like no thanks <laughs> yeah so yeah that was mine um oh, that sounds awesome thanks for allowing me that excerpt it's like i i haven't even read the excerpt since i just knew what page it was on but. uh if i could we would have excerpts for every fucking category i know you're <laughs> right but it's just, it's you don't know what you're gonna pick at the end of the year while you're reading it you know it's like yeah fuck. yeah i don't yeah. have all these quotes i know. know i know what you mean um my best ending is as i lay dying by william faulkner second faulkner <laughs> oh my god he's gonna infest this list <laughs> Oh, this is the last Faulkner book, I swear. No, 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 I don't trust you. Just go ahead. He's a good writer. Um, so, obviously, this man's a stream of consciousness guy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have, like, everybody has their own type of fucking thoughts going on and shit. And then this character, Darl, Darl Bundren. It's about this Bundren Ooh. family going to bury their mother. And they're carrying this mm -hmm. casket, like across the country basically and they're like this poor family trying to go bury the mother and basically um uh darl is the he's like the eldest son and he's basically the smartest character in the book so he's the only character where it's like everybody else has like their unique style but he's the only character in the book where he just reads like eloquently you know and mm -hmm. um he's like faulkner's like fucking godly at interior monologues and so he he has like fucking awesome monologues throughout like just eloquent super awesome fucking sounding monologues and then mm -hmm. um by the end he just uh you just witness daryl start to break down and become the most broken character with the narration in, he in his head like 
oh, wow. incorporating his little brother's narration. Like you get like throughout the book, you get his little brother just like, and it's like fucking random as fuck. Like his little kids like just like have ADHD. They just and random shit. things. Yeah, yeah. So and then yeah. it like starts to read like his little brother's narration plus like like put like put put to the put to eleven basically. And um, his father is over here doing fucked up shit to the family at the end, and it's pretty brutal. And like, yeah, just just the stream of conscious, like fucking, like his arc of the stream of consciousness is like fucking amazing throughout the book. Like the last, the yeah, ending, that actually sounds really hard to pull off what you're describing, and you're saying it's amazing. Yeah, so yeah, and like the ending is just it, the, the chapter is just called Darl, and it's one page, and it's like. It's just like I was reading it and I was like this like I had my mind fucking blown at like what you what you can fucking just do with like words like, words yeah <laughs> like damn oh, I, yeah. like this guy this guy I just witnessed this guy lose his fucking mind and he just wrote this down on a page like it's crazy <laughs> Yeah 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 it's pretty that sounds really impressive Yeah and this is as I lay dying this is actually one of the only um Faulkner books I I've, I've always had on my to read like yeah. want to read list. It's definitely it's awesome. definitely worth it. Okay, hottest mess. Um, go ahead, bro. Uh, all right, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> mine is. <laughs> no, y'all, y'all are familiar. Y'all have a whole podcast to read about this. Uh, listen to this, but the uh, chaos and order from the Gap Cycle series, Stephen R. Whoa, Donaldson. chaos and order. I just, which one? The fourth. Yeah. Book? Chaos and Order is the fourth one. I I hope because that's oh, what I wrote it down in mind. Interesting. Okay. It's the yeah the one. So hottest mess. This category is essentially you're trying to you're jumbling with a book that is really hot. Like wow, this is has some good shit in it, and it's a mess also. Like <laughs> damn, clean your room type shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> clean it up. You know. It, like, is, it is a little then, bit of a mess, right? It is a bit of a mess. Uh, the hot part to me is this is all has all the best Chatelaine parts in it. Like she she kills two of the most yeah desired. <laughs> she gets two of the most desired kills in the entire story. She kills um Mark Vestibule, I think, mm-hmm. and she kills what's his name Nick. She killed Nick Sicorso, and yeah. And also, it has the most Chatelaine, but also this book is a lot of, it's a lot of, a little too much um, tag for me, it's like space tag. Space like, tag. Oh, you mean like people yeah, shuffling, there was a lot shuffling of around? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of chasing in that one. I, I think it might have the most chasing in the series, I I'm, I think. I could see it's it. It's the one, yeah, because, and, and I, not that I will never like that, but that was, that's pretty hard to make good. Yeah, and um, that was just like the messy part. Like, obviously, I I liked I liked it because it is the same story of all the gap cycle books together. Like, I like the gap cycle, right. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just that that one was just like, eh, I don't know. It is probably the least good out of all of them. Isn't this? Isn't that the one you think so? I, I mean, I don't know. I I remember us giving our scores. I don't know what I scored any yeah, of them. But <laughs> thinking Before about this, it, I won't lie. I was trying to figure out what we scored them thinking about it now yeah i think four is like the messiest out of all of them because it's the one that feels like you're like kind of 
in place they on were this? trying to do a post they were trying to do a post it's not it's like a post ennis lobby like you just need a book to put in some stuff to connect the story rather than yeah, it having yeah. like this super super driven like thing to it there's no it's more just like okay yeah all the other I books don't have, be, i don't have, want it to be jarring exactly all those other books have forward momentum to them and this one yeah yeah it doesn't you're you're kind of in stasis because you know what they want what he wants to do is to get everybody in the positions that they are around earth exactly for the last book and in this one it's like all right well i think i'm done with nick you know let's <laughs> let chatelaine fucking destroy him so yeah, that, that's what I got for Hottest Mess. Um, pretty easy pick. I'm just kidding. That actually took me the longest to pick. <laughs> but, um, yeah. How about you? Uh, mine is The Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Uh, nah, dude. Give us the Russian translation. <laughs> the, idi the Idiot? No, I don't know. <laughs> the uh, yeah, it's it's a book about this guy who's so good-natured and naive that people mistake him for being an idiot. And I really love the premise of the whole thing because that's like one of my favorite character archetypes. Like, you know, that's what I thought Luffy from One Piece was going to be. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God, <laughs> he, he's like, like be just uh, like people think everybody he's like, think he's stupid, but he's actually. Yeah. Normal. He's yeah. Everyone, dumb. everyone thinks yeah, they're yeah. dumb and it's just like, nah, I'm just a fucking good person type shit. Like, I'm just. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And um, reading it, you could tell that it was like patchwork put together plot from like there's like conversations and like how those transition into the plot moving forward is like the pace of the story kind of feels like it's just like stuck in like a, a cycle almost and mm -hmm. he doesn't it feels like Dostoevsky doesn't really know how he wants things to end like where you're reading it and like this like this character is falling in love with this one and then they get all melodramatic and like drama starts happening and then you're like what the fuck is this book even about right now and then like <laughs> um yeah it, it just feels like a combination of random assortment of characters taken from his other books and just shoved into like almost like a mural to try to concoct like a story like mm -hmm. uh surrounding the circumstances of this of this guy prince mishkin who's like the idiot uh, or people call him the idiot and uh i i was surprised to find after i read it that most critics at the time and like modern critics even agree that the book's structure is just a, a fucking mess and oh damn yeah wow i i think um i they, they end up I, I i read that they end up thinking it's like some some think that's good for like some artistic or experimental reason but i'm like bro it's still fucking a mess and like <laughs> yeah uh and okay i'm gonna read what dostoevsky wrote in a letter after he wrote the idiot and i felt so fucking vindicated after reading what he actually what he Damn. wrote he said right. he says much in the novel was written hurriedly much is too diffuse and did not turn out well but some of it did turn out well i do not stand behind the novel but i do stand behind the idea and that's what he wrote. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I fell in love with some of the concepts and some of the characters because uh, it's Dostoevsky. He's like one of my favorite authors, but he's like a goat at writing characters. But the story's like just fucking a train wreck. So yeah, that's oh, my. Oh, that's honest. crazy. That's crazy because when I the Dostoevsky eh, Dostoevsky books that I'm interested in, the plot actually sounds like awesome. <laughs> Oh, so really? You're telling me the characters. Yeah, that, that story called The Demons. Wait, am I thinking of. Demons. Yeah, Dostoevsky, right? Yes, yeah. 
yeah, demons. That that just sounds amazing. So if you're telling me the characters are going to be beasts too, then you yeah. got me extra hype. And we're in the we're in the hot and mess. We're in the hottest mess category. And hottest, you got me hyped. Hottest mess. This is. I think this is his worst book, The Idiot. And it's. I still mm. ended up liking it just because he's so good at writing people. Um. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Music to book. This is when I initially had trouble with, and then I I thought about it, and I was like. Interesting how you easy. had trouble with it. This was actually your idea from last year. So, <laughs> I mean, you included it. You could have you just you're, erased you're, it. I would have not known. Nah, 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 nah. We have good categories. I, I, I have a good, I have a good one. I have a good one for this one. So go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll give in. Um, the return of the book I mentioned earlier, uh, End of Alice. Um, this is a very, uh, uh, well, I don't know what, I don't even know if most people know about it, but it's, it's similar to Lolita in like its subject matter. So it's pretty controversial. And when I read it, I always describe this to our friend group, um, Danny, especially as mm -hmm. like the most, like what's the wildest back of the book, like little, like, um, what do they call those blurb, blurb yeah, that blurb. you've ever seen. Mm. And the short version of this book is literally a, uh, a pedophile in prison writing letters or a girl writing letters to a pedophile in prison uh, about seducing a kid. Okay. I'm, like, I'm so, that, I'm so fucking curious what you're, cause I didn't read any, I didn't listen so, to anything when I read Lolita. So I'm curious what you. Okay. Okay. So this, I, Oh, I, I actually didn't listen to this while it's, it's like kind of like what, how you used it last oh, year. Like it's yeah, yeah. the kind of music you think of. Yes, yes. So, um, with that out of the way, hopefully I don't have to say that word uh, for the rest of the podcast. It might get um, demonetized. Do they do that on podcasts? <laughs> we're not even monetized, so it doesn't matter. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we're <laughs> not getting any money anyway. So, um, yeah, very, very uh, touchy. And so the I picked two albums for this. Touchy. Uh, yeah, Death Certificate by Ice Cube, which <laughs> I, in my mind, I okay. always <laughs> describe as the most, the most, like, parental advisory necessary thing i've ever listened to just like the things he says on that are just like damn he actually said that like he's actually talking about that uh -huh. and i don't even think it's in like a um oh this is like old like if people were talking if people if i heard people rapping about it the way that he raps about it today i would still think it's it's crazy but i haven't seen that i don't see it very often um it's more like a lot of wizardry with wordplay these days but like he was finding ways to just say it and also make it rhyme so that for like its connection for just how like yeah you should put a parental advisory on this thing uh-huh and the sound actually that i get when i think of end of alice is actually an album uh called blood visions by jay jay Riotard. by um, jay what Re I don't know how to say it. I've always <laughs> called it retard, but I okay. actually have heard somebody call him J retard before. I did hear that. <laughs> but it's not spelled the same way. It's okay. R-E-A-T-A-R-D. Oh, gotcha. But this is like a sniper of a punk album. Like, it's like, it sounds like punk, and fat, extremely fast like punk, uh -huh. but it's it's just got like this, like a... Um, like a metal edge to it a little bit, like a more like a super, I don't know how to, like a super smooth chainsaw. Like if a chainsaw could sound like 
how it sounds, but just be like kind of smooth. It that's what it kind of reminds me of, and it, like the cover is just like a dude just covered in blood, mm. and um, it's always reminded me of like a shark. And when I think of End of Alice, I the the grotesque imagery of the imagery that um, you know death certificate gives me, yeah, and then the sound that Blood Vision gives me makes for this kind of contra like. <laughs> fucked up read this is this is a really fucked up book is what i'm trying to get at yeah um but yeah that's that's mine end of alice nice um <laughs> mine's um mine's king gizzard and the lizard wizard for cradle uh <laughs> i i cannot believe that you just said that to me. i'm actually i'm now i'm interested okay go why 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 I, I every dude, you know why? Every time we brought up King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard last year was just like it was like a joke. Like I can never tell Wait. if y'all actually like them or not because every time you said it, it's like accompanied with giggles. Like because <laughs> the name, like, I just <laughs> boy. Right, so how does that, that remind you? Ahead, that Giz for the greatest shonen of all time. I mean, come on, bro. Like Cradle for anybody that doesn't know is a progressive fantasy uh there's like a few moments in my entire life while i'm reading something or uh, not reading i'm consuming a piece of media where i just want to <laughs> i just want to take my shirt off and run through a wall you know and um yeah of course of course yeah yeah uh, uh gunbuster i think of uh oh Gert, yeah definitely Gert, you don't need a shirt yeah 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 second girl in the gone movie i def i think mm -hmm. of um for sure that um, ending yeah uh, yeah um and cradle's one of those cradle's one of those moments where i'm reading cradle throughout uh 12 books and uh like every book i just want to take my shirt off and fucking run through a wall and with threads got, the threads on your of your shirt just start loosening and they just rip yeah i just rip it and then that fucking giz comes on and i'm i'm just like it it just like fucking goes hard and i'm i'm fucking rocking out while i'm reading this fucking crazy ass fight scene and i'm like yeah it's just it goes it goes hard like that's 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 it that's my music to book damn yeah that's really awesome, and that, so you so you had that feeling. What is it? Seventeen times? What? Ten times? Twelve. Twelve times. How many books are there? Twelve, 12 times. Yeah, yeah. Twelve. Twelve times. Damn, that's that's a pretty good ratio. Yeah, cradle. Some people don't get that feeling you're describing ever in their life, so you should feel grateful, bro. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, this is uh, one of the only times <laughs> I'll probably get to talk about cradle on this on this show. So, yeah. Uh, I think that, bro. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, you can pick one cradle book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not. Never mind. I don't <laughs> want to get your hopes up. Never mind. <laughs> no, you uh, just take that back real quick. No, it's not like anybody heard what I said. I'll just, I'll just continue to say it. Greatest shonen of all time. All right, that's it. Um, wow. Did you want to take a break before so, we continue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All Let's right. do that. Let's do it. Uh, we will be right back. And welcome back. Uh, our What's next, up? our next thing is oh, before before we move on to our next thing, I just want to say really quick your uh, God's Debris book. Um, I didn't know this, but I saw this on Wikipedia. Uh, mm -hmm. Apparently, did you know that the author made Dilbert <laughs> the comic? I did see that, but I I never I don't think I had heard of Dilbert before. <laughs> 
it's it's like one Have of the, you? yeah it's like one of the comics that i would i would always skip over because i don't like how the guy looked <laughs> oh it was in the newspaper yeah it was in the newspaper type shit like with snoopy That's and all, all the uh, nancy and shit um okay our next category is favorite sequence of a book favorite sequence or moment or chapter yeah, favorite sequence chapter it's just like a a, a section yes. that you just yeah i'm i'm not gonna lie to you i'm just gonna do two because i i i i do can't it. anymore do it i read i read this book in january last year uh like the first book i read of the entire year uh the Pe- peloponnesian war by oh. thucydides yeah thucydides the boy damn um, thucydides we're going back yeah yeah apparently one of the first history books that's they always say they always want to say like oh one of the first history books and it's probably just the one of the f- oldest ones that actually made it to now yeah probably yeah. a lot of other <laughs> history books but um um there's a moment a famous moment in this uh war known as the sicilian expedition the oh the setting of the peloponnesian war or at least at this moment it's kind of like uh after fighting off the persians two times um um, and in the most recent one, the theme, yeah, Athens was kind of like a Chad after that. Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted to, I'll just say history writes it as if they wanted more power. They kind of are portrayed a little bit like the empire. Um, and I think to most people, like they're kind of greedy and like it's what kind of leads to their folly. One thing I like about the Thucydides' writing is... I mean, it's it's a history book. It's going to be somewhat biased, but how he writes it, it does seem like it's trying to be fair mm-hmm. um, and explain reasonings between people. And um, this moment in the story is probably when I think they do it because they're desperate. Can't really remember the full context, but it's called the Sicilian Expedition, and it's a moment where Athens thinks they have the upper hand because a <laughs> there's a lot of team side changing in this moment where one guy basically says oh yeah i'll lead the um this athens expedition right i'll lead it in in sicily mm-hmm. and he's like yeah this is my plan and we're gonna do it right it's gonna be beast and the only reason that he's on their side is because he was previously on spartan side which um if if you ever read it, uh, they never they almost never called them Spartans. They're called Lacedaemonians. Um, I had to look that up like very early on. I'm like, who the fuck are these Lacedaemonians? <laughs> and so basically, they the guy who came up with their plan leaves to go back to Sparta to Sparta uh-huh. to basically like kind of clear his name. So the two people that take his place are two fucking idiots, and they go to the Sicily, and they're like, yeah, we're just gonna you know we're just gonna wreck shop, you know. And they completely get decimated. Like it's, it's just one of the worst mistakes probably in like all of their lives that has ever been made. They go there thinking they're going to win. They start splitting their forces up. They don't know how to, they're just not very uh, good at logistics. Um, They get lost a few times and it ends with them just, getting worked in one spot like after they're all tired and they finally came back together just them getting work it in the book it describes them just uh the blood starts mixing into the 
water that they're in and some people are <sighs> you know they were dying of thirst but they can't drink it now because there's blood in it it's like just just getting rocked by just spears and arrows just coming down on them it's they're just getting it's uh up. yeah it's 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 one of the best written parts because it's a lot of um you know logic and logic and reason you know mm -hmm. throughout the book and this is like one part where he just gets to go off and it's it's amazing um almost reaching like like homer tier like that part is that kind of writing damn which in the beginning he start, talks about how he does not want to sound like homer mm -hmm. at all but <laughs> i think that's mostly just in regards to like gods and stuff but yeah he reaches that level in that moment um um you might catch a pattern here because my runner-up is actually you go and then i'll do my runner-up okay hopefully I, yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear what you. If have. it's if it's similar, I think our <laughs> our favorite sequences. Oh. Are, I think our favorite sequence sequences are gonna just gonna be old shit. So um, okay, cool. My uh, mine's not far as far back as Thucydides, but uh, it's a uh, Shakespeare. Um, okay, <laughs> it's oh, uh, when I read Julius Caesar and uh, the yes. the dueling speeches in Julius Caesar between uh, mm -hmm. Brutus and um, Mark Antony. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously Brutus and Cassius <laughs> kill fucking Julius Caesar along with the rest of the fucking council or like other other members of the council, and then mm -hmm. um, they bring his body out into the city, uh, and like Brutus stops to like make a speech to all the uh, the people, um, <clears throat> and Mark Antony's still uh, fucking jerking off in the fucking council room I, I forgot what he was doing but <laughs> you gotta watch the movie just like every time you say i'm just imagining marlon brando okay uh and so i'm gonna, I'm gonna read the two speeches because they're not very long uh brute this is brutus this is brutus first and mark anthony's not there yet uh it says be patient to the last romans countrymen and lovers hear me for my cause and be silent that you may hear believe me for mine honor and have respect for mine honor that you may believe, censure me in your wisdom, and awake your senses that you may you may the better judge. If there be any in this assembly, any dear friend of Caesar's, to him I say that Brutus's love to Caesar was no less than his. If then that friend demand why Brutus rose against Caesar, this is my answer. Not that I love Caesar less, but that I loved Rome more. Had you rather Caesar were living and die all the slaves, than the Caesar were dead to live all free men? As Caesar loved me, I weep for him. As he was fortunate, I rejoice at it. As he was valiant, I honor him. But as, as he was ambitious, I slew him. There is tears for his love, joy for his fortune, honor for his valor, and death for his ambition. Who is here so base that would be a bondman? If any speak for him, have I offended? Who is here so rude that would not be a Roman? If any speak for him, have I offended? Who is here vile, so vile that will not love his country? If any speak for him, have I offended? I pause for a reply. And it says, all, none. Brutus, none. And then Brutus. Then none have I offended. I have done no more to Caesar than you shall do to Brutus. The question of his death is enrolled in the capital. His glory not ex extenuated. Where he was worthy, nor his offenses enforced, for which he suffered death. Enter Antony and others with Caesar's body. Oh no, his body's coming with uh, Antony. I forgot he's like marching with his casket. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, he's carrying his body. 
Uh, here come his body mourned by Mark Antony, who thought he had no hand in his death, shall receive the benefit of his dying a place in the commonwealth, as which of you shall not. With this I depart, that as I slew my best lover for the good of Rome. I have the same dagger for myself when it shall please my country to need my death. And then everybody's chanting, live, Brutus, live. And then Mark Antony comes up and he's like, I need to make a speech now because he fucking riles up all the people. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is Mark Antony. Mm. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. That evil, The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault. And grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man. So are they all, all honorable men. Come I to speak in, Caesar, in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on Lupercal, I thrice presented him a kingly crown, which he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and sure, he is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke, but here I am to speak what I do now. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn for him? O judgment, thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me, my heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> just, Dude, just... who's ghostwriting for Mark Antony, bro? Like, this <laughs> bro. Shit, that, that shit got me hyped. Did anybody know that Shakespeare was, like, one of the best writers ever? Like, that's crazy. Like, uh, it's, Yeah, it's nobody's ever talked about it before, right? you know? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Um, damn, yeah. Do you have another one? Uh, I have one. I have one more honorable. Man. You do. You do your honorable, and I'll I'll think of my honorable. Okay. Uh, the this one comes from a book called a um, the Warriors: Reflections on Men in Battle mm. by J. Glenn Gray, and um, this is the second chapter of the book. It's called Love, Love, and then is that a colon with the two dots? Kind of stupid. <laughs> um, love, wars, ally, and foe, and um, I'll just give you like the beginning they have uh throughout the book <clears throat> it's a it's a not a biography it's it's completely non-fiction but mm -hmm. it's about um this guy who got a basically his degree in uh what was it philosophy his doctorate in philosophy from columbia um and this could just be to make it sound cool but apparently he got that on the same day that he got his notice that he has to you know he's getting drafted in the army um but uh so he's basically just like a super super philosophically educated person just in war so his letters between him and his other college friends during war while they're in war mm -hmm. just sound like super awesome like it's it's kind of it's it kind of interesting like you get like you know like when you're watching a movie you'll have like the guy who's maybe kind of illiterate or can't write and he's like writing a speech or he's writing like a letter and then you know it shows like his family member get it and it sounds cute and not well put together but it's like 
got heart, but all of their letters are just like these. Okay, I'll just write the beginning of this chapter. This is from his friend. It just says, The Greeks were wise men when they mated the god of war with the goddess Aphrodite. The soldier must not only kill, he must give birth to new warriors. And um, that gist is kind of what the entire mm. chapter is about. It's mm-hmm. just about um, just like the kind of um, the contradiction in the whole, your ideology, like when you're in war of you're taking this life, but also like about the connections of, you know, those back home and things like that. And of course I like it cause there's a lot of reference to like, there's like um, Greek myth stories, like of those two Aphrodite and, um, and Ares, even about like some of their kids too. Like he'll even bring up like Cupid and it's just well-written and um, that's basically, it. I don't have any other excerpts from it cause I didn't read the chapter again. I'm a slow reader, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it it's one of the best. It's probably one of the the best sections of any book I've ever read. It was Damn. that awesome. Wait, what's yeah, this book called? Uh, the Warriors: Reflections on Men in Battle. Oh shit! Yeah, um, you read a lot of so battle. Me. You read a lot of battle shit, huh? <laughs> I just yeah, I just read war <laughs> shit. Um, my runner ups, uh. Uh, Idols of the King, uh, from mm. Alfred Alfred Tennyson. Um, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's I mean, it's it's mainly about the um, it's mainly about like kind of Tennyson's version of the Arthurian myth, but also like, um, my my favorite section from it is uh the passing of King Arthur. Um. And, and oh. it, yeah, it's uh, I mean, like it's like. Tennyson I mean this is like kind of like more poem poetry than prose but um I don't really have like an ex- excerpt from it but it's just like he he writes like so beautifully that like I was like kind of tearing up when I was reading it so what is it Te- uh, this is Tennyson yeah uh, idols of the king idols ah. i-d-y-l-l-s so he stole Ben Tennyson's name from Ben 10 I see I see so he's a fraud <laughs> it's just like some just of the kidding. most some of the most beautiful English I've, I've ever read um yeah nice my runner up all right our next category is favorite theme in a book and i don't know about, oh, i don't know about okay. you but i think this, this is like the longest section for me oh really i think so um i guess it, this this would be the longest section if i had notes for it um <laughs> <laughs> uh it's uh this was hard this year mm-hmm. to be honest with you because we changed it from recurring theme to just individual actually to individual theme which i actually did have a recurring theme but i wouldn't say that it was my favorite so this is probably better Mm. um so this one is it's more direct instead of being in a story where you have to you know gleam the theme for yourself this comes in a a (laughs) another book on warfare uh, is <laughs> okay. by my favorite uh, war writer so far, B.H. B.H. Little Heart, um, oh, a British, yeah, British guy. It's not like you just made uh, that up. B.H. Little Heart. Yeah. yeah, but it's not little like little small. It's little like L I D D E L. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's very. I don't know how British that is, but Look I was going to say very British. Look at this man's mustache, bro. What's up with this Dude, guy? Dude, yes. <laughs> he also he also is so British that he was in the Battle of the Somme, I believe, in uh, 
1941 or something. Sir, um, Sir Basil Littleheart. Dude, oh, he's a sir? I didn't even remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this book is um called Strategy. Um, it's a book where he goes through the history of strategy and warfare and you know from he does a little bit on greek like if you if he was really trying to get me to stand which i already do but if uh-huh. he really wanted me to stand he would have put more time into the uh greek and the roman wars but i understand you know uh-huh. get to what you know so um that part it goes through that and then uh the whole entire it goes through that and then it goes through i believe um the uh some medieval warfare like briefly because he i felt like he said he didn't have as much documented about real warfare because a lot of he i think he tried to pass it off as a lot of warfare in medieval times is very random hard to find true facts no like true Uh. fact it's i it it he doesn't say this but i kind of imply like he most he kind of is getting at like shakespeare like damaged like it so much that it's like <laughs> it, getting it getting it right and what's like exaggerated is kind of hard i guess yeah and then it goes to um like napoleon era warfare and um ends on uh the warfare of world war one and the entire premise of the book is about this thing called the indirect approach which of course is not something he invented but i guess he he just describes it well it's it's like a plethora of, of things but it's mostly just uh trying to disconnect the um trying to disconnect the body from the mind when it comes to like the enemy's uh i guess the enemy's ideas here here i have i have the three main component the main components of it that he actually says in the beginning so it's the dislocation of the enemy's balance should be to the prelude to defeat, not the utter destruction. Negotiate an end to unprofitable wars. The methods of the indirect approach are better suited to democracy. Um, that kind of changes throughout the, obviously he talks about Napoleon. Uh, military power relies on economic endurance. Defeating an enemy by beating him economically incurs no risk. Implicitly, War is an activity between states. Little Hart's notion of rational pacifism. Actually, don't really remember that much. I'm, I'm going off the Wikipedia page. This has like the, I don't have the book in front of me. And the victory often emerges as the result of an enemy defeating itself. So it's the idea that he gets to um, without, without some instances where he... He says like luck is like a huge thing when it comes to warfare, which is he kind of shows with Napoleon the most mm-hmm. because it kind of shows that even though Napoleon, when he started off leading a lot smaller forces, he actually was forced to use the indirect approach a lot and he was very good at it. But um, the stronger and more power he got, the less he tried to invoke those kinds of things. And it has... A lot of World War II stuff, too, also. And I guess just the theme itself is just the part of the indirect approach that I liked the most throughout it was um, to weaken, never never just try to go head on head. And, you know, you hear that a lot in any kind of story, like, well, 
mm-hmm. head on, like, like, you know, going full force against them would be a stupid idea. And you always <laughs> hear it and you're like, yeah, it sounds on paper. That makes sense. But why? Like, what if you have more? And his whole thing was just a bunch of examples of why going with uh, weakening without fighting before you fight, like never fight without an advantage, basically, I guess is like never settle for a battlefield. Like just keep, just keep up the um, wear and tear, I guess, Mm -hmm. until you're able to strike. Even if you have a superior force, it's just not worth it, which I guess is something that he got to with uh, the sections on World War II with Hitler, like this huge force, right? And, um, you know, the follies there that I'm not even going to try to butcher history because I didn't, I read it and I know some things, but to try to recall an entire, all these battles, but yeah, that, that was just, I don't know if I would call it mind blowing. It's just like, was one of the most clarity bringing. You're just uh, like, uh, to- uh, this makes sense. This makes sense. Like, wow, like, not that I understand all of war, but I'm like, this actually is the only thing of war I've read it. And I could just be like, ah, that makes perfect sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it comes from the fact that he was, I kind of, <laughs> you know, I kind of respect him a little bit because he actually was in the military. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's mine on uh, for that section. What's the what's the book called? Um, the book is literally just called Strategy. Oh, it's just called strategy. Okay. Yeah, it's just strategy. Yeah, because yeah. I see he has like a lot of books like that are like titled like that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he also he also um got me to stand because the first one of the first things I read of him last year was the uh, um Scipio Africanus uh, greater than Napoleon, which is Scipio is like my favorite <laughs> my favorite Roman person ever, and he wrote a whole entire book on him just literally just glazing him the whole time about how awesome he is <laughs> and of, of course i you know it's like a 10 out of 10 read and also the bonus of him saying that he's better than napoleon is just icing on the cake yeah that's mine good writer um, awesome all right uh mine's uh mine's a uh, good being like an inherent trait um it, um, this was actually this could have actually fit a uh, like recurring theme because it actually it actually works in various books I read like um, Dostoevsky examples bro. Dostoevsky uh, mainly Crime and Punishment and then um, The Road by uh, Cormac McCarthy um, oh. where it's like you know the father is always telling the son to carry the light and then. Um, uh, Stover novels that I'm constantly rereading consistently talks talk about like the ethics of good versus evil and where where the boundaries lie. Um, when you say it being an inherent trait, do you mean like um, like that this the kind of father figure or whatever figure is teaching like teaching it to somebody until it's like ingrained in them, or you're saying like without without any guidance they are good? Um, kind of both. Like you have to oh, you have to like try to be good, but also people mm-hmm. are are just good inherently even if they do bad things um mm-hmm. yeah and um back on titan doesn't think so <laughs> my bad <laughs> yeah it does i'm not even i'm not even done yet but yeah <laughs> it's uh attack on titans yeah it's very nihilistic for sure um <laughs> it yeah wait till you get to the ending i'm just like do not agree i do not agree with attack on titan but still still fun to read um i might i might give it a 10 out of 10 just to... mm-hmm. anyway uh 
So the, the main book in this that I'm using is uh, The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. And I've quoted The Abolition of Man. I don't know if you remember um, once before uh, on the podcast in our Earth, mm. Earth X episode. Do you remember that? Yeah, you pulled out one of the quotes from the end of the chapter, right? Yeah, I, I pulled out a is quote. Is that what you're talking about? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll um, no, no, it, it, I'll, it's not a quote that I pulled from the end of the chapter. Um C.S. Lewis was one, like, he pulled another oh, C.S. Sorry. Lewis quote, and I, like, I like okay. kind of talked about C.S. Lewis. Um, yeah, that's the one I remember. And um, I'll probably do it again, because I think this book, out of all the philosophical readings that I've read, is, like, made the most sense to me. Um, uh, like, uh, I read Nietzsche. Nietzsche? How do you say it? Nietzsche? Uh, I think it's Nietzsche. He basically, Nietzsche basically says that, like, an objective truth doesn't really exist and that we should, like, affirmatively recognize, like, untruths. And Lewis's, like, kind of attacks all, all the philosophies that kind of presuppose that good was something that we invented or that we only feel within ourselves. You know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. uh, so, like, the first part... The first part, in the, this is mainly in the first part of the book I'll use as an example. Um, Lewis talks about um, this textbook um, that he was reading because he's like a school teacher also. He's like a university teacher. And um, he's reading this textbook uh, that has um, a Samuel Taylor Coleridge story in it. And mm-hmm. um, in the story, Coleridge has these like two people walking through a forest and they come across a waterfall. And one person stops to appreciate it because they, they they think it's sublime. And the other person like simply likes it and moves on. And it's it, it, like the story itself is supposed to just be like, oh, like one person that stops to appreciate it is like more like, like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do type shit. You know? They're more deep. Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Like, you know, like stop, stop and appreciate yeah. it or whatever. But that, that's like yeah. the courage story. And then within the textbook, because it's a textbook, that textbook's authors add as a lesson to like school kids and stuff, they add, um, this is a quote from the textbook. When the man said that is sublime, he appeared to be making a remark about the waterfall. He was not making a remark about the waterfall, but a remark about his own feelings. What he was saying was, I have feelings associated in my mind with the word sublime, or shortly, I have sublime feelings. This confusion is continually present in language as we use it. We appear to be saying something very important about something, and we are only saying something about our own feelings, uh, end quote. And so Lewis is like sitting there and reading it. And like it's this paragraph in the middle of this like children's textbook talking about like what's happening in the hearts of people when they make like value statements about things. Mm-hmm. And like the they're basically saying the thing has no merit and it's you only saying something about yourself. You know what I mean? And Lewis. Oh, OK. Yeah. And Lewis goes on to the. De- like kind of debunk this little kernel in this part and he makes like the most definitive case i have ever read for there being like uh object absolutely being objective truths and trying to see things um and he like debunks thing trying to see things strictly logically um and then uh, i'll just like pull the quote that i've read before but um it says you cannot go on explaining away forever you will find that you have explained explanation itself. You cannot go on seeing through things forever. The whole point of seeing through something is to see something through it. It is good that the window should be transparent because the street or garden beyond it is opaque. How if you saw through the garden too? 
It is no use trying to see through first principles. If you see through everything, then everything is transparent. But a wholly transparent world is an invisible world. To see through all things is the same as not to see, unquote. And yeah, he basically, yeah, he basically makes the case for there being, um, like there being a objective good, you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Um, that, that quote, whatever, wherever it comes from, that quote still hits. And now when you started right, uh, reading it, I remembered it from last time. Yes. Yeah. We, I think we were talking about like some of the themes in earth X when, when I read it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, um, that's in the abolition of man, but it, it, it's like, it's in several other books I read this year where it's just like people like the author being like, no, there, there, there is like an inherent good in man. And like, um, I'll say if, if another book like exemplifies that is like probably crime and punishment, um, for sure. Ah, uh, yes. Um, okay. Do you want to go on to, uh, what might what be, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, my favorite category, but it's, it's one of my favorites to talk through for sure. Uh, worst book. <laughs> Oh uh, yes, the worst book. <laughs> yeah, I like being yeah. I like being negative for a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I do have an answer for this section here. Um, my worst book was. Let me get uh, this book is called The Face of Battle. Um, it's by John Keegan. <laughs> uh huh. And it is another. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> it okay, is another war book. Uh by a british person uh the difference between this one see and i don't i don't want to like all british give people. it like a stigma a stigma yeah to this kind of writer but he he did not um he did not fight in any he, he was not in the military um i don't think that is what makes it me not like it it was i'm sure somebody could even be like lie about being in in the military and write a book and i could like it but it's just like he's so british um when you're reading this book this book is basically trying to uh taking you through three battles of history and um trying to get you in the perspective of actually a common soldier that would be on the battlefield okay rather than you know the um the commanders that are remembered in history kind of thing. Yes. The three battles that he goes through are the Battle of Agincourt. Um, you're, you're a big Shakespeare guy, so I'm sure that's in there somewhere. Uh, Waterloo, the Battle of Waterloo, so mm -hmm. when Napoleon loses, and the Battle of the Somme. Whoa, from, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, um, in World War One, which is a battle that just goes on forever. <laughs> I would say that the thing that I don't like about it is... Um, man, I, I just, I just couldn't get behind anything. Like nothing sounded interesting. <laughs> it, it's like, it's like when he's describing what is, what a person would feel, I guess it feels cool, but his, mm -hmm. his style of writing has no, it's funny. Cause I feel like I had better words for it right when I finished it. And I was like, I'm not going to write this down. I'll remember it at the end of the year. It's got no sauce um, to it. Just no, just no juice, mm -hmm. no, no oomph to it. It's, but he's very proud. So you would think that there would be a lot of oomph in it. Yeah. Like it's almost to the point where you wish that he went like, 
you almost wish he went full homer on it like just to make make british people just sound way cooler like mm. um in it mm -hmm. because the facts that are in it are cool and useful facts like in agincourt he describes like the um the arrow scramble like the constant arrow scramble like really well in that battle um in waterloo he has a lot of cool things about um you know the type of pincher that kind of happens to napoleon in that battle it's, it's described well like from the perspective of like i think there's three armies at that time um in the battle two v one and the battle of song which sounded like not that any war sounds cool but that one's just like <laughs> it's not even a battle like this shit's just going on for like months like yeah is this even yeah it's and um yeah it's 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 like is not it, enjoyable read at all it's would you say it's like you I felt mean, like empty at the end you're just like fuck like, yeah like i just got a bunch of information just crammed in and out it had no almost <laughs> the opposite of strategy where strategy has like this very specific thing that it's trying to get you to see throughout all these battles it's a lot like our recurring theme from last year like what does that guy see throughout all of these historical battles mm -hmm. and in this um i didn't have anything to really hold on to when it went to a new battle it's i mean it's real life so the similarities are going to be very sparse there's not a lot of things in real life that are exactly like another thing especially between like a thousand years you know mm, yeah and uh yeah i i just had to add the part that he wasn't in the military to it because <laughs> oh i God. don't know if that, that i just i just want to say like because i maybe somebody could tell me like other authors that are really good that didn't serve that can write about war and i'm sure there's a lot but mm. that's the one i read and i will continue to read war books written by people not in the military or in the action I just this one just wasn't it interesting <laughs> also also he in the beginning um he just he he he's making that a big deal like yeah. i'm saying it but in the beginning he makes just so i don't sound like i'm roasting him he says that in the beginning like i just need everybody to know that i teach at a military academy mm. i studied this this and this and um i teach people this and i'm sure nobody at that academy like openly just is like you never even did this. Like, how are you going to yeah. teach us? Like, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he. Is, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about because it sounds like he does by reading the book. He's just like, this was just. This is just very boring. It's like it's I like guess. having people on ESPN. It's like, oh, you never played basketball. It's like I don't have to have played basketball. Oh my gosh! To know yes, like what the if fuck I I'm talking if about, I like. saw one of them try to make like a a book about something, not only did they not play, but let's say they were trying to like do it on like um something that they weren't even like doing journalism on at the time or something like mm -hmm. like all of their sources would be secondary right because he they weren't doing the, the that story at that time i guess you would just be kind of like okay i'll give it a whirl like maybe you're just really good at writing but you're always going to have that you know thing you're just thinking like ah all yeah right. yeah but also yeah i, I, I think I mean, anybody can write good that's the reason i, I gave it a chance it's i could have just at the beginning been like oh you didn't even so yeah it, it was more it was the so if i'm getting this right the issue with the book mm -hmm. was not that he didn't know what he was talking about it was just like mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't make you care about the people yes the yes ground. i guess i guess that's it that's i guess that's why i also implied like just go full homer and just 
not yes. go full homer, but like kind of exaggerate them because it's clear in the beginning that he's really proud of being a British person. Like it just sounds like he's not he, a good writer, even though he knows a lot. Maybe that's it. I I didn't <laughs> yeah, maybe I guess I guess that could be it. Um because BH Little Heart, he does a lot of documentation in the in the book that makes it flow kind mm -hmm. of to me. Yeah. Um and this one doesn't do that because the setup for the book is amazing, right? Like I'm going to take these three battles and I'm going to dissect them and I'm going to show you what it's like to be like, I'm going to tell you what it was like to be, had been there and also um, tell you the similarities between them all. Mm -hmm. And of course that's why I read it. Um, yeah. Just not for me. I also even had like, while I was, uh, hadn't started reading this yet, I had saw what other books he had. And there was like three other books that I was just like, I'm going to read these. And Oh, you are? You are going to read these? No, it might just be one. There's oh. only one that's <laughs> okay. still interesting enough. Like I, I could read about this with his style of writing. Yeah. The other two, I don't know if I, the other two was like, maybe like pipe dreams of me actually reading them. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So Underworld. By Don DeLillo. Man. What the fuck? Like Okay. Do you know do you know who Don is DeLillo is? Is this the one is? about I know about this book. Okay. Is this the one about the baseball? He okay, said it's yes. the baseball. Yes. Oh god. Okay, okay. Don DeLillo is hailed by most critics and fans as like kinda like a Titan or like one of the great one of the contenders for like great American authors and Underworld's like like a considered a candidate with like blood meridian and like beloved as like the modern great american novel mm -hmm. oh, bro this book tries it's because it has baseball in. this book tries so fucking hard to be a great american novel let me read you Damn. what it's gonna it's trying to be gone with the wind let me what? read you the blurb on the very top of wikipedia sure the novel is centered on the efforts of Nick Shea, a waste management executive who grew up in the Bronx, to trace the history of the baseball that won the New York Giants the pennant in 1951 and encompasses numerous subplots drawn from American history in the second half of the 20th century. Described as both postmodernist and a reaction to postmodernism, it examines themes of nuclear proliferation, waste, and the con contribution of individual lives to the course of history. When I... <laughs> I read the baseball shit and I was like, oh, here we go type shit. But like the individual lives part had me excited, right? So I was like, yeah. And um, it's, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the structure with the baseball thing is like, I can't even. <laughs> it's, it's, it's even more obsessed with the idea of being that great American novel than the blurb sounds like it is. Like, oh, wow. Um, this, okay. The structure is fine, right? It confused me at first, but I got used to it. Like, Delilah's writing yeah. is, like, what mainly bugged me here. I, I read his other book uh, that came out in, like, 88. I think this, I think Underworld came out in, like, 97. Uh, mm. Libra, I read his book Libra, which is, like, a book about the JFK assassination, mainly through, like, the lens of Lee Harvey Oswald and, like, the life of Lee Harvey Oswald. That book's mm. really good. I loved it. Um, But uh, in, I don't know what the fuck happened here. Like... All of his characters in this book talk the same. They talk like his narration like sounds. And they all have just like the most 
writer ass prose you will ever fucking read like donovan you talked about writer ass prose. you talked about reading bro do you remember talking about um when we read like uh you you read blood meridian and i i had read blood Meridian. um i think i read it like around the same time as you i think uh and um uh you talked about cormac mccarthy thinking his prose in that book sounded like uh like if if you were like to make fun of a writer and you oh, were just like yeah, making fun of like a pretentious writer yes even though blood meridian is good yeah like when you describe it it's like like this is what you would sound like <laughs> yeah uh, when dude, you're making fun of like a writer yeah dude this guy this guy exemplifies that so fucking hard and all his characters think and talk the exact same way as he writes like they're He's all like try hard at american novel writing yeah and and um they're they're all basically just don delillo with like little room for any any other type of character like i've so a woman a woman character is just don delillo with a dress on yeah yeah she'll just she'll talk like same philosophical bullshit that anybody like his narration will be and it'll be like oh like my wife my wife's cheating on me with this other guy and she's in bed naked and shit she's like talking about like this like fucking philosophical shit i'm like bro nobody's talking like this like especially nobody nobody thinks like that all the time (laughs) no no nobody people i think rarely ever think like that and then also (laughs) everybody doesn't think like that like all the same way all the yeah yeah and i've never wanted to be done with the book so fucking badly when i read this and what makes it worse is that everyone i find that talks about it says it's good I feel like I'm taking fucking like crazy pills crazy. on on this Damn. one. Like I I wanted I wanted so badly to just like like DNF this shit. Like I wanted to be done with it, and it's 900 pages. I was, Dang, you you took it on, dude. That's I crazy. took it on. I I hate using like the pretentious argument because like I guess like, yeah, all all our kind of boring because every, every all of writing is pretentious at this point. Yeah, it's like every every author like set has trying to say something you know and like yeah they're all they're all up their own ass that's why you write a book exactly but not in a bad way just that's what you have yeah but this book feels like it's just like one big take on delillo's thoughts on like latter half 20th century america and like people Mm -hmm. people he tries to he tries to like inhabit individual people but those people all sound the same and like uh it's like it's like that for all 900 He's pages like a, 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 a like a war and peace but all the characters are the same person yes yes what? yes yes oh, exactly wow. it's like war and peace but like the characters are all the same character and i've i i've read more original and better written version of like these takes that he's giving in this book from like mm. genre authors from like sci-fi sci-fi oh, people wow. like like yeah. um but like Matthew Stover and William Gibson, like, I think, write way better than him and also have, like, as nuanced thoughts, but, like, ri- like in- incorporated into character mo- way better. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, less, way less drawn out because oh, this shit's so fucking long. Um, yeah. Wow. Yes. And and anywhere you go, you'll find people, motherfuckers talking up, like, holding this book up like it's fucking Blood Meridian. And it's, like, it's not. It's terrible. Um, Damn. That's crazy. Because when I think of when I think of Blood Meridian, I just think of like, like an, I can't think of anything less than just like excellence, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And to see that there's just like a 
a, a, a bad version of that that's 500 more pages it's fake it's like it's it's so fake it's like motherfuckers are wow motherfuckers are pretending with this one yeah i mean you think they're getting uh, extra brownie points at school for saying that <laughs> that it's good i don't know but i i, I was so I desperate see. i was so desperate to find somebody shit on this book that i was listening to a podcast with this dude fucking talking about it by himself for like 90 minutes and he and just, then he ended up saying he liked it. He just jizzed on it, and I was like, "Okay." Oh, I was no. like, "I was like, let me listen to why." And then I heard it, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, it's right. gonna be your life's work to find it, dude. Yeah. Um, but I'm not shitting on him as an author because I liked his other book, Libra. You know what I mean? I know he. Mm, I know yeah. he can write good. It's not like the Joe Abercrombie. just. It's not the Joe Abercrombie situation. Most, uh-huh. Where last year I read fucking three or five joe abercrombie books and i hated them all it's not like that it's like, i see yeah yeah so it was more like like he had more up his ass this time like he was trying to say something and you just found it just excruciating a bit <laughs> yeah yes and if you go hold on let me see make sure i get this guy's name right because i always forget his name um but if you go on wikipedia <laughs> and you go to like the reception or whatever the, fir- yeah. the first guess who the first motherfucking author that like He's like he wrote a Delillo a letter in '97 and he praised his novel and shit. Is it is it Cormac McCarthy? No, it's uh, David Foster Wallace, the Infinite Jest motherfucker. No, way! <laughs> yes, oh. yes. Oh, so God. the most up your own ass, uh, yeah. like Infinite Jest motherfucker, is like wrote a letter. Is like the first, and he was like, "This is gas." He's like, "This is gas." I'm like, "Of course you thought it was gas, you fucking piece of shit." Yeah. Um. Anyways, I haven't even read that book. That's funny though. Yeah. Um. All okay. Right. Best. <laughs> Moving on to best yeah. book. We're at the end. Um, best book. Best book. Uh, the best book. I'm gonna go with uh, Kings of Paradise by Richard Nell. Uh oh. Oh. This, okay. Okay. Yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. I started this. I've been thinking about this one for a long time. Um. When did you start this one? uh probably in october but this is just the first one though so the yeah, first yeah. of the trilogy and it was still like the uh, the best book i i i felt like it was the best one that year it's it's yeah. funny because when i'm when i read it it's it's um i don't what comes to mind is not the prose i think it's just like a an excellent story mm-hmm. um i haven't really heard anybody ever say anything negative about this probably because it's so <laughs> um not known like publicly but anybody who talks about it they only say it's godly like to the point like the ama i don't think i've ever seen a more positive ama like on reddit um going pat i wasn't asking questions in it but i went to the post it, it's it's a book about um um of course one of my favorite things is uh um dual perspectives <laughs> and uh you, most of the story, you're trying to really figure out what the perspectives are, but the two... There's three main characters. There's... um, Wow, I'm forgetting their names. <laughs> so much for my favorite book of the year. But basically, one of them grows up in like a rural area where uh, he's basically like a... Def- he's kind of has this face deformity, and um, it's like a sign of... It's an, a sign of omens in that part of the country so he's kind of hated he lives with his mom and you know uh 
she dies of a sickness and he kind of starts to blame it on himself and he creates this world in his mind uh, where he can uh, basically make like this garden area where he buries like people that matter to him so he buries his mom in real he, he leaves his mom in the icy snow but then he in his mind he actually makes like a nice grave for her mm-hmm. and this guy is basically like he's basically uh brute like viking goodwill hunting like he's got like an idetic memory like oh, they shit. never say that they don't have like a word for it but he's just gets stronger and stronger and in like to the point where everybody thinks he's like a brute but he's actually this mastermind and um so he kind of like the they basically those people of that town they run him out of town um as like this criminal that's uh, they basically wrong him for a crime and how law works down there is basically someone accuses you of something and you get to defend yourself uh, but you have to make it to the spot in the room to speak and people can openly stop you from getting there oh, so shit. they basically accu- accuse him of this crime and he's unable to make it to the thing to defend himself Mm -hmm. um, as if they would have believed him anyway. And then, so he runs away. He's like a criminal. Um, That's where most of the story takes place for him, him being on the run, getting stronger. um, Oh shit. Just like developing like this, this dude, when I say he's will hunting, bro, Uh, he's on some like taskmaster shit. Like he can see something like he sees something and then, he doesn't know it immediately. It's not like Taskmaster, like in that way, but he can practice the thing he saw in right. his mind. Right. So he just goes in there and he's just like, like there's this moment where he he's escaping from this place and he uh, wants to steal a horse and he kills the boy that's like the stable boy. Uh-huh. And he like rips it, like axes his jaw off. And then that kid shows up in his garden where he could like practice swords with him. Oh, wow. And um, so there's that guy. Um, just getting smarter, getting stronger, starting cults and crazy shit. The other character is like this prince. He's the youngest prince of this epic family whose dad is the the basically the wizard king. Mm-hmm. And he's He like rules like um, the world kind of or like He rules a section of the world. Okay, like and a country kind of deal. Kind of like a country, yeah. And but they're kind of in dire straits, of course. You know, it's like your typical fantasy. Like, he's in dire straits because um, he thinks that this one country is coming to invade them. Hmm. And uh, he's trying to marry his sons off or whatever. But his youngest son, probably no chance of getting, you know, to be king. And, uh, of course, he loves a girl that was their ward for a long time. Um, But you find out that uh since he has no kind of prospects of being a king or anything they send him off to of course like a military camp Mm. where in just great fashion he kind of uh excels in being a leader and dude the progression of this guy is what i would have expected from like the end of the trilogy in terms of powers because he basically (laughs) i mean I, I'm not describing what I guess what I like about it. I'm just saying what happens, but it's 
it's like I said, it's it's the energy, I guess. And yeah. It's in how the story goes with the dual perspectives, and there's also like this girl who's uh, the character with the eidetic memory basically gets his while he's on the run, he gets his food taken, and um, by this group of boys. Oh, and shit. does he get a Yuffie? He, Yuffie. Yeah, he gets Yuffie by them, <laughs> but like in, in a way where it was in his mind, dude, when you're in his mind, it's so cool because he's like, it, it actually just shows him thinking thinking through things, just, I, it, it, it imitates uh, what I did like a memory pretty well because he thinks of just logic. So when he runs away, it's not because he's scared, he runs away because he's like, well, I could kill them, but I would get, you know, I would obtain this injury or that. He's like, and then he I'd like, be kind of game. He like Sherlock Holmes it. Like he's like, he's Sherlock I need, Holmes I need, a, yeah. I need to deduct and, what what I have to do. What the best course of action is like. Yes, exactly. And the third perspective comes from after those boys steal the stuff, they go back to their home where there's this girl um, that lives there and like kind of cooks for them. It's like they're just like being like a family basically because all their parents got killed. Mm-hmm. And dude, okay. I'm gonna bring up a video game because it's a it's a good example of what I like about this kind of shit. My favorite part in Last of Us One is the part where Ellie has to take care of Joel because he's jacked up, and she meets the guy, right? Mm. Um, and David, you find yeah, David, and through all this, you find out that the people that you were killing in the last uh, level are his friends, and just like seeing just like the perspective just of other people i just love so those kids steal the dude's food they're cooking it homie comes in there kills everybody (laughs) and he leaves the girl the girl alive and then the girl becomes her own main character where she goes she's trying to go become like a priestess a priestess is basically like uh the same people that accused homie of like this crime and he couldn't defend himself mm, she's okay. trying to become one of them because they have a lot of power in this region of the world and they're anyway, like uh they're like inquisitors kind of kind of yeah i i was but the they have like no power they only have like their title is their power kind of thing yeah um you know how it is and um so yeah that's that's the book it's the first in the trilogy oh my god the ending is amazing it just gets you just of course i'm just gonna finish the trilogy now but i mean um i'm sure those two books will show up on next year's list in some capacity but it was just the best i've read i mean i haven't read a lot of trilogies Mm. but of the especially the fantasy ones that i've read the first book being that good is incredible i'm almost envious of the people who are reading them as they came out because they get to talk well, about I'm not. I'm, I actually, you know what? I'm not even envious because I could just <laughs> now. I'm just going to go and read them. But um, make, I'm sure it was very hard for them. You make me want to read it now. Like that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's just the the writing is like I. I just love that I could just obtain it all because a lot of times, and I love this about reading. I love reading where you know you just see a new word and you're like, "What does that mean?" I love that. Yeah. Um, that that actually never happened in the entire book. I just was able. To, I just consumed it. It was like the fastest I had read a book. It, like. When I was sitting there reading it, I'm like, wow, I'm reading faster than usual. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good. just kind of just eat it. Just eat it if you're going to give it a try. Yeah. Uh, yeah Kings like of it. Paradise by Richard Nell. Yeah. Yeah, and I read that it's like his debut novel, too. Yes, it's it's another... 
a Mount Char situation. Yeah. Like, this is the first time you've written a book? Like, yeah. That's, that's awesome. crazy. That's awesome. And and I, I assume, uh, I guess I, I don't want spoilers, no, go ahead. but they, they like... I assume they meet up at the end of the first book, like no. Oh, they, they don't. don't. Okay, okay. The, no, they don't. No, That's probably it's, safe for later in the trilogy. Saving like, oh. it, yeah, saving it because I, I would have. I was I was reading in a library. If they had met, I might have just had a heart attack. Like that's how engaged <laughs> I was with it. But it's even better than the meeting. The ending is it ties things up in a way that you you guess you get answers like quest answers to questions, but also more questions. So be cool if it was like uh i mean i haven't read it but it'd be cool if it was like mm. it, it was like legend of the galactic heroes where you want them to meet for so long and then like they finally do meet and it's kind of like okay like it's kind of like luster yeah Dude. yeah they're just oh like God, oh yang and reinhardt yeah they're just like what's up boy and they're like what's up yo what's up <laughs> so you've been fucking me up for a couple years huh it's like yeah <laughs> yeah you're pretty strong you're pretty strong like yeah sniff my nose um so you Give it, give it to us, bro. Go uh, ahead, bro. Mine is uh, "Crime and Punishment" by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Oh um, shit! So this is your favorite? Is he? He's like in your top five writers, I'm guessing. Uh, right? He's my second favorite author after okay, uh, okay. after Matthew Stover. Um, yeah, bro. This uh, uh, this book this book uh, cured my brain worms. It cured my cancer. You know, it like. Uh, it absolved me of no i'm just kidding uh nobody i i don't think anybody's better at writing human beings than dosayevsky uh he he like gives you a peek into a person's mind and like i think this book is the best example of his like his whole like book catalog um mm -hmm. this can i ask a question just for the uneducated in this book i yeah i've heard this book is the greatest cat and mouse game of all time uh, is that yeah. kind of or is it yes um okay this book is a murder quote-unquote mystery it's not really a mystery because you know you're you know who did you're it. in the mind of the criminal um about it's a book about like it's about book about justification paranoia disgust guilt and like kind of the horror of human contradiction but it's like also the best example i've read of like human like good and human perseverance like it lets you it lets you spend time with the characters but like not in like like if you read like tolstoy or like uh like jane austen or like any of these other like classics you'll spend all your time in like ballrooms or like rich mansions or government buildings or out in the battlefield but um this book takes place on the streets with other civilians or like dirty taverns or like back rooms of prostitutes and like poor families and stuff uh and it lets you just kind of like spend time in the main character's head raskolnikov as you like kind of just dig deeper and deeper into his head and you see how actions like do or do not play out through through the lens of a human mind this is like to me this is like the ultimate psychological epic it's like to me, it's like oh, so. I've never even heard of a psychological epic before. It's well, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't either. I just made it up. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a it's, good. That's a good coinage. It's uh, I mean, to me, it's like so big because it's focuses so tightly on like to me, like the most important aspect of a human life, like kind of like the marriage of the mind with the soul, like all of all Dostoevsky novels, um, have like uh 
like kind of bad against certain philosophies like um nihilism rationalism utilitarianism like are usually rejected in his books but um they, um this one like um not through like speeches or narration but just kind of through through acts both of like kindness and cruelty it's like shown to be wholly unnatural and uh i think i i, I think coming out of this book dostoevsky kind of thinks that the natural only through the natural goodness of like a human heart like a, a person can actually truly live freely in his mind you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and yeah i this is like tied for my my favorite book ever um depending on the day crime and punishment crime oh, and shit. punishment yeah depending, man, so depending, on, <laughs> depending the on the day is this is this a traitor what side of the bed did i wake up on this yeah. <laughs> or traitor oh shit yeah yeah a little hint there a little hintage yeah but yeah that's amazing um i do have one thing to say so so that we could babble on about it just for a little bit longer mm -hmm. i forgot to say what my other fumbled bag moment was okay okay um and this is one that we both know and this is a character moment <laughs> in uh, uh -oh. comes in the uh uh claudius the god at the end of the book where uh claudius is living with his new wife after the death of messalina mm -hmm. and and uh he's with this would be um agrippina the younger and britannicus you know he's being shunned by his dad you know we know that uh Claudius is trying to pretend like he doesn't care anymore you know he's trying to be like you know uh i'm just letting anything happen oh agrippina wants to uh make nero an heir uh somebody who's clearly not ready to ne will never be ready to rule an entire country uh very immature uh yeah sure just make him put him in my put him in my will you know uh, all while Britannicus is pushed away by, uh, you know, um, his dad. Mm -hmm. He gives him all the education. They, they, don't, they don't show as much in the show. Uh, but he does, like, kind of give him really good education. He tries to teach him um, about the Republic and things like that and educate him about that because, obviously, that's what Claudius wants to come back, even though he's been... Or he tells himself that's what he wants, even though he's been emperor this whole time. And it gets to that moment that we we both saw while watching the televised version of it, the live action <laughs> version of it. Yeah. Where he reveals all of this to his son, not only that he loves him more than anything in the world, but that he also has a plan to save his life. Because when he dies, they're going to kill Britannicus by any means necessary in order to give Nero the throne. He gives him the step-by-step -step plan about how we're gonna we're gonna escape you to this other country far outside of the borders of the Roman Empire and keep him keep you there and we're gonna you know train you and basically when Nero fails, which he will fail, and he did fail, <laughs> uh, you're gonna come back and you're gonna bring back the Republic, dog. And this boy Britannicus. He takes this magnificent bag, this empirically sized bag, and man just, not only does he fumble it, he does not even fumble it. He tosses it on the ground right in front of his dad's face and says, no, I'm going to fight Nero on fair terms, fair ground, and I'm going to win. And uh, 
This man does not win. He, <laughs> he gets killed at like 14 years old or something <laughs> after his dad dies. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up because we watched it. You know, it's in a book, so I can talk about it too. Um, what did what did you think of that moment when you saw it in the show? Like, because I know we're bringing up TV show shit, but it is in the book, so you do know what I'm talking about. That's the only reason I'm. I just wanted to. Um, I'm trying to remember. This is the. This is this is the part where he's like, um, it's like in those last two episodes. I don't mm. know. We, we might have been blitz, but like <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was, <laughs> it's just Britannic. It's like he's telling his son all this and you would think like yeah oh no maybe he just also maybe he just no matter what he's gonna just fuck you to his daddy like he treated him kind of shunned him for most of his life like okay but he doesn't think that he's like father i'm sorry like i love you also so you you can see that he understands it but like he's so kind of like prideful of like I, I don't know prideful i think yeah what the book is trying to say is that it actually might have been a mistake to teach him about the the Republic, that's what made him think, like, I'm going to win fair and square, I guess. Like, that ideology is kind of what maybe I, uh, that's kind of what I think they're trying to say, but it's just so, such a fumbled moment. Like, huh. just do what your dad tells you. <laughs> I, um, this might fit the fumbled bag just because I like, I, I don't know, it, it might just fit the category, but when we were watching mm -hmm. that, when we were watching that, uh, episode not only was i bliss i was like in and out of like falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> okay that makes sense because the because the episode but now i've seen it like three times in the book and twice in the show so that, that episode i think was like the only episode i actually didn't care about in the whole show it's like the second to last episode right i think yeah it's like second to last or last episode yeah yeah it's uh i was um, like i don't give a fuck about this stuff <laughs> yeah i guess yeah they don't they don't really make britannicus cool but i'm a Ah, the potential, man. The potential was there, man. He could have just came back and, like, put the whole shit. But I guess that's the whole point is that, like, you know, nothing's ever going to work out perfectly. It's just going to be, like... But anyway, yeah, that was a, that my extra bonus fumbled bag moment, so... Okay, I have a couple, the... I have a couple of bonuses I would like to throw out. Oh, go out. Go ahead. Uh, best ending uh, bonus. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out. Stella Marie by Cormac McCarthy. Uh, just fucking... Just fucking, like sad and also like i don't know just reading it i was like yeah yeah fuck yeah and then um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't want to i don't spoil it it's like it's like only a 200 page book it's all dialogue and like yeah it's pretty amazing um and then uh let's see oh also another shout out for best ending uh cradle the book reaper there's a reveal in that book it's like book 11 or 10 or 11 um no I think it's 10 or maybe it's nine. I don't remember, but um, it's like towards the end there. Um, there's a reveal that like changes, changes shit like for the rest of the story. And it's fucking so fucking brilliant. Cause when you reread cradle from, from <laughs> which of course we inevitably will, <laughs> when, when you, when everybody who's listening, they're going to read it twice. When everybody rereads cradle uh, and you're going to want to, it's like that shit's been there all along type shit. And wow, then, it was one of those moments where that actually worked. Yes. The crumbs. Yeah, yeah there was the, good crumbs. Oh, wow. There was good crumbs and like shit makes sense. And then um best moment uh also in Cradle, there's a book uh Ghostwater, I think it's like book 4 or 5 where the main character gets a power up and it's like so fat that it's like it's not even the type of power up you're thinking. It's like 
Um, I don't want to spoil it. An, but, intelli- an intelligence boost? Um, in a sense. Uh, kind of. It's like he gets a power-up. Actually, and- don't. Okay, don't spoil it for me because you know either I'll read them or I'm gonna watch. I'm obviously gonna watch the show when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, uh, if they ever end up get to book five, um, th- yeah, that shit. Oh my god! Like if you go on the Reddit, everybody talks about that moment, but it's like, it's like fucking for a reason. It's goaded. Um, yeah, that those are my sh- those are my shoutouts. Nice. I'm glad you got your like uh, soapbox for cradle. Hopefully, <laughs> somebody out here reads it now. <laughs> yeah uh well i i imagine if the show gets popular somehow then maybe yeah, you never know it might it might reach invincible tier oh fuck i wish then then motherfucker will definitely get more seasons then it'll get more seasons yeah all right we're uh ready That's to wrap it. it up yes yes all right thanks um, everybody it was fun it was fun oh yeah i came away with fucking new book series i want to read kings of paradise trilogy like that oh yeah awesome. dude this shit yes uh, yeah and um we'll see you next year see you next year for our 2024 book awards <laughs> 2024 book awards uh yeah All thanks right. everybody for listening peace